Hello, and welcome to the Pragmatic Live podcast series, where we tackle the biggest challenges facing today's product management and marketing professionals with some of the best minds in the industry. I'm Rebecca Calajaris, Vice President of Marketing at Pragmatic Marketing, and I've got a co-host with me today who many of you will recognize from this very show, Mark Stiving. Hello, Mark. Hey, Rebecca. Always great to be with you. Always great to have you. For those of you who don't know, Mark is a pricing expert, pragmatic marketing instructor, and very soon-to-be certified pilot. Woohoo! Yes. All right, and today we're going to talk to another instructor, Dave Daniels. Dave, welcome. Hey, good to be here. Good to see you, Mark. It's, what, been maybe three weeks since we've seen each other? Yeah, good to have you, Dave. Right, next week, too, I think we get together for a little bit. All Mm -hmm. right. Yeah, good to be here. Good to see you, Rebecca. Good to see you. So Dave is also a pragmatic marketing instructor, and he is a launch expert. Uh, So he spent a whole lot of his career launching new products, working with companies on launch, working with them on sales enablement. So he is a great addition to our show today. All right. Thank you. All right. Today, we're going to talk about a topic that is always very near and dear to my heart as a VP of marketing, and that is the alignment between sales and marketing. I've been at companies where it worked great, and I have companies where it hasn't worked as well, and and the health of that relationship is one of, I think, the, the biggest factors in the overall success in terms of revenue. So Dave, talk to me a little bit about sales and marketing alignment and why you think it's so important. Well, I think it's so important because it creates, if not taken care of, it creates such a toxic environment in a lot of organizations where we get into the blame storming meetings where marketing is blaming sales and sales is blaming marketing and it just goes around and around. And at the end of the day, the CEO is very, very upset. Um, so there's a lot to be said about addressing this and there's some really simple ways of taking care of it. Great. So first, let's talk a little bit. Why do you think there is such an alignment problem between the two groups? Well, I think uh, some of the issues that come up are there is a misalignment individually. So marketing is measured on certain things. Sales is clearly measured on one thing, which is bring more money into the company. Um, Marketing tends to be a, a combination of looking over the horizon, more strategic. Uh, But at the same time, they do a lot of day-to-day tactical things, uh, execution-oriented things. But sales is always in an execution mode. And it's all about what are we closing this month, what are we closing this quarter? Whereas marketing oftentimes has to think about what are we going to start doing next year? And that creates a, a perfect storm for misalignment between the two groups. So, Dave, I want to throw a little more fuel on the fire, can I? Absolutely. So I've heard it said that when marketing does their job exceptionally well, why do you need a sales force? Let the record show, I did not say that. (laughs) (laughs) So so my sales partner's listening, not me. Uh, Well, you know, uh, you could say that, Mark, but in many cases you would be wrong uh, because especially for very complicated B2B products where there's a, a buying process or a buyer's journey that takes a number of steps and you know, you have to evaluate things and review things and uh, determine whether it's going to fit in your environment and so forth. Um, An argument could be made, though, uh, Mark, that with the onset of uh, better and better AI, um, artificial intelligence, there could be an argument for 
certain categories of products to actually be salesmanish less. So uh, that's a new term. I coined that. So um, I, I think a fair way to say that, though, is that and, and this would be true, that the better marketing is, the more effective and the more efficient sales can be. Absolutely. So therefore, we might need fewer salespeople or something like that. But there are always circumstances where we need someone dealing one on one with customers. And so we'll certainly need salespeople there. Absolutely. Now that uh, I've ticked off the entire sales organization of every company. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's always exciting when in my classes I have uh, sales reps in there um, or people had formerly been sales reps and they're like, oh, yeah, that's totally like that. We do that all the time. So and have, having had the, uh, the privilege of working within the sales team during my career, um, it, it's, you know, I always tell people it's an incredibly difficult job that that and they take a lot of heat and it's hero to zero and back again. Uh, so we have to cut them some slack. But I think the issue here is you're right. It, but Mark, what is the definition if marketing is doing its job right? And it, it goes to the heart of Rebecca's question, which is sales looks at it one way, marketing looks at it another way, and leadership like the CEO and the board of directors may look at it yet a different way. And that's what causes the misalignment. That was really interesting too when you when you set it up, Dave, and you kind of talked about the different time horizons they're looking at. Sense of urgency and, and immediacy is different between the two groups, right? Sales is very focused on the here and now as they are. They have quotas that have to be hit right now. And um, marketing it needs to help them do that and make the phone ring, but they also need uh, to think long-term and start more strategically. So I think just those two uh, different factors can be a big play in that. Correct. Yeah, it's is if I'm if I'm in sales and I've got a number I've got to hit and I'm looking at the quarter and um, you know maybe we're getting to the end of the year, pressure's on. And if marketing is now talking about what they're going to be doing next year and how they're going to get you know setting things up for the next two, three, or four quarters down the road, I really don't want to hear it if I'm on the sales side of the house. Uh, yeah, now next year that'll become important to me. Right now, not so important. Now on on the marketing side of the house. You know, all I hear from sales is I didn't get enough leads. I didn't get the right leads. I need more leads. Um, and uh, that's another issue, too, that we always run into. I know I, I, I have in my career. I know both of you probably have had that, too, uh, being on both the marketing and sales side of the house. It's what does a good lead look like? How do I know? Who do I talk to to determine that? Sales, you told me this is what a good lead looks like. I give it to you. Now you're telling me it's it's not a good lead. It's like the old fetch a rock syndrome. Mm -hmm. Go fetch me a rock, Rebecca. Yeah, that's not the rock I'm looking for. <laughs> Go get me another rock. I think that that the what we really mean as a lead that's ready for sales is a is a huge part of the equation because I can give you a huge quantity of leads, but that's not what you want, right? You want a specific quality of leads. And if there's too much quantity in the way of those quality leads, you just stop calling on the leads, right? If they don't have high value in, in the volume I provide, then I start to get less and less focus on those. And then that's heartbreaking as the marketing person. You're like, I sent you leads and you erased them or you didn't call them, right? And six months later, they're like, hey, I sent in a request before and nobody focused on that. I gave you a bucket leads what'd you do with them um and and here's another paradox um i know you've seen as a marketer is it depends on the rep that you're talking to mm. so one rep will say 
just don't give them to me unless they're ready to close. I mean, I'm, I'm busy. I got a full pipeline. Another rep on the other end of the spectrum is going, you know, um, if they're breathing, I want to talk to them. So there's this wide disparity. And, uh, and so you're trying to manage between all of that. And I think one of the other big issues that occurs is marketing teams more and more have to look at a very broad uh, buyer's journey from the time that they fall out of bed and go, ooh, I need to do something about this to all the way to the far end of it, which is, you know what? I, I like what I'm doing. This, I, I, this is a great product. I'm, a, I'm an evangelist now. I want to tell the world. So there's this whole thing we're orchestrating from beginning to end, but sales is only one part of that. And so they only see that slice of it. Hmm. And I would argue, and this is going to be controversial for some of my sales colleagues, I would argue that we need to stop worrying about the sales process and we need to start worrying more everybody, sales and marketing, about the buyer's journey from beginning to end and where everybody plays along that, that flow because marketing just doesn't mysteriously mysteriously drop out just because it's in sales hands and sales doesn't mysteriously dro drop out after the sale. This can, we continue to, to uh, work as a team to keep our customers happy, buying more, telling others about it and, uh, you know, hopefully staying around as customers a very long time. I think that's a really good point too, because we talk about ownership a lot, right? So marketing owns it here and sales owns it here and marketing owns it there. But, um, the problem with that is it does feel like one or none. And and that can be very disruptive. If we're aligned, then we can come all in and out on each phase of the process. Yes. It, it seems to me though, Dave, that that before we hand a lead off to sales, that that really was owned by marketing. Generating a lead, trying to do all that really was owned by marketing. And sales doesn't get that involved, if at all, in that pre-lead phase. Do you agree or disagree with that? Well, what I would say to that without uh, agreeing or disagreeing with you, uh, Mark, would be to say, do organizations clearly have a definition of what a lead is and a, a clear enough definition so that one side of the house marketing can say, I've satisfied your requirement. This is the minimum threshold for something you'd pay attention to. And to my, my colleagues in sales, are you being clear enough about what that is? Are you describing to them, hey, here's what I'm looking for. If it fits this criteria, this is what really gets me excited. And I know I'm closer to closing a deal. The problem is that there isn't a clear definition. There isn't even a vague definition. So marketing cranks up, hey, it's, it's, it's like I tell folks in my class, if you're being measured on generating leads and that becomes part of your compensation, or your um, review at the end of the quarter or year, and there's a quantity that you need to fulfill and there's no definition, I'm, you're getting your leads. You tell me I need 4,000 leads in order to get a check mark, you're getting your 4,000 leads. Sales may not be happy with those 4,000, and they may call five of them and reject the others, but I, hey, check mark, I got my thing. I can't help but that you didn't follow up. That's wrong. That's fundamentally wrong. We're all in this business to make money. Um, as, I, as I was taught very early on, we work at the pleasure of the shareholders. And if we're not delivering against that, why do they need us? Get other people. 
So that interface, the lead interface between marketing and sales is a fascinating conversation that really has to happen between the marketing team and the sales team, right? We have, we have to have a conversation that says, what does a good lead look like? How do we get there? And, and have a, a clear definition of what that handoff is. I don't think it's salespeople telling marketing, this is what a good lead looks like. It's a conversation between the two groups agreeing, this is what we're trying to achieve. And by the way, we're not right. Let's iterate it. Let's get it better next time. And, and we'll just get better and better at that interface. Totally agree with you. It, this is not a waterfall process where we sit in a room, meet for an hour, we come up with the answer because as soon as we put it in place, we're going to learn something new. We're going to say, hey, this is what you said was a good lead, but you rejected it. Why? So let's talk about that. Um, here was one that wasn't a good lead, but you accepted it. Um, why? And so it helps to refine the process over time and get tighter and tighter and tighter um, so that we're spending less energy on the marketing side, generating more of the, the, the higher quality leads. One of the things I always think is interesting, too, is that sales metric is very clear, right? Sales is measured by revenue. Marketing, sometimes there's a growing trend in the field for it to be revenue marketing based, right? End of the day, marketing success or failure is based on the same metric, revenue. Uh, but too, often in the conversations, that's not what we're talking about in marketing. They, they move, it's moving the metrics they follow and publicize upstream. Some of that makes sense, but sometimes it's too far, right? I mean, we're going to measure likes and, and things. And those are so hard to, to connect likes and shares necessarily to revenue that you can really chase, to your point, the wrong metrics. I can get you 4,000 leads. I can get you 500 likes. But am I doing what's needed to drive the revenue? That's my job. Yeah. I, uh, to build on your point, I, I recall vividly, because it was so painful, a meeting, sitting in a, a staff uh, meeting where the VP of North American Sales um, was listening to uh, a briefing about all the wondrous new things that we did in marketing. And one of those things was to introduce a new website and increase the amount of traffic by 300%. And the VP of North American Sales said, that's interesting. Why isn't my pipeline up 300%? It's a very simple mm -hmm. set of arithmetic for that individual. It's like, great, good for you. You got more numbers, more people are coming. It's like, now show me how that's going to translate into something that I care about. Because right now it's not. Right. Let's figure that out. Yep. And I think being uh, open with the metrics and sharing them along the way is the best way. And it's hard, right? I, you know, both sides is always trying to prove prove their worth, right? And and it it's uh, sometimes at previous companies it can feel a lot like, well, you know, if something closed, it's because sales did it, and if something didn't close, it's because marketing's part wasn't good enough, right? So there was never a win that was established on marketing. And again, I think that's because there was an alignment and the discussions weren't there along the way. Right. And it is a complicated world we live in now because it's it's the, the marketers that I deal with, I know Mark, you deal with them as well, is they're just craving for attribution metrics that say, I did this and that resulted in that amount of revenue. And it's never, ever that simple. I mean, it, it, in some cases, it could be if it's a relatively simple uh, product to buy. It's straightforward. I go online. I see it. That's one for me. I click and boom. Okay, there's the attribution. But in the companies that sell more complex products where many meetings are involved and lots of stuff occurs between sellers and buyers, it's really hard to say what any one thing had to do with that, that sale. So... I, I coach those people into thinking about 
If you look at it from the buyer's journey point of view and all of the points along the way that a buyer goes through, only look at what did it take to get them from where they were to the next step in their buyer's journey. Okay, so it's a set of, of micro attributions along the buyer's journey rather than the one thing because no one wins in that argument. Right, and there's no silver bullet, right? There's no magic thing. There's no perfect piece of mailer. There's no amazing ad that takes someone from not going to buy to buy. It's, it's a matter of all the different pieces that influence it. And the more you can, you can talk about that, you know, 35% uh, of the things were influenced by attending a webinar, had downloaded one of those in the collection, then, then the closer it gets. But you never want to feel like you're doing those statistics in order to fight against sales, right? It's all about supporting into sales, not see my stuff's important, more important or less important than theirs. It's part of the process that leads to there. You're, you're not going to win. Mm -hmm. No one wins in that argument. And I, I can tell you that that almost always uh, sales will will get the credit for it um, because it's viewed, especially especially for complex B2B sales, it's, it's viewed as a relationship game. And they bought from us because I had a, a good relationship with them. But there were so many other things that contributed to that, to your point. Yes. So, so Dave, what... Let's talk for a little bit about what marketing's role is in helping sales through the sales funnel. So we think about the sales funnel as part of the buying journey, buyer's journey. Um, so it's kind of correlated to a piece of that. And our marketing folks have to give tools and information and knowledge to our sales team so that they can be successful. How does the marketing team know as much about the sales process as the salespeople know about the sales process? A great, a great one. I think that's a hypothetical question because a lot of marketers have very little knowledge about the sales process and what salespeople go through. Um, and I and I often tell folks uh, in class that you know if you ever get a chance to sit in on your company's sales training, your, the method that you use for selling that methodology, and you can sit in on it, please do because you'll have a completely different perspective of their life and what they deal with. Um, but it requires for marketers to get out of the office and have a deeper appreciation for what's actually going on in the market. And it is shocking to me that we have people in this group called marketing and they know very little about the market. And, uh, you know, that's a message uh, for leadership if they're listening into this podcast is you should be asking that same question about your own organization. Do my people get out and interact with real people in the wild in their native habitat? Um, are they spending any time with the with this with the field? Are, are they able to listen in on sales calls and kind of learn about the process? Are they able to go along on a sales call face to face? Um, a lot of times the only interaction that you ever get is if I happen to go and work a booth at, a, at an industry trade show, and it's a, it's a very small microcosm of, of, the, of the entire industry. And so organizations can do themselves a whole lot of good by getting those folks out. It's, it's as my, one of my marketing directors in London used to say, she used to say, marketing here is all about lunches and logos. And, and that was her little cheeky response to uh, being very tactical. But there's so much more that we could do to learn about the market, buyers, convey that knowledge to uh, to the sales team, get their input, refine it, uh, test, measure, test, measure, 
there's so much more we could do to your point, Mark. And I think to Mark's point too, so obviously understanding your market is your first and foremost job, but as a marketing, when it comes to sales, sales is also an audience of yours, right? So can I understand, do I know how the salespeople think? Do I know what their real problems are, not what I think they are or how they see it? So if I spend some time understanding the sales process and the sales as a market in of itself, would that change the way I created tools? Would it change the way I delivered tools? Would it change the way I train so that I'm bringing that market information into them in a way that they're going to more easily be able to accept it? And I, I think that's something that particularly when we're feeling confrontational with our partners in sales, we lose, right? They're an audience of our materials. We need to understand them and we need to make it so that these are as easy for them, them to digest as possible. Yeah, the better you understand and empathize with what they're trying to accomplish and match that up with knowledge about the market, you can move from being reactive to what sales wants to being proactive to what the market needs. So instead of asking sales, what tools do you need? As marketers, we should have enough knowledge about buyers and how they buy to go to them to say, hey, here's something that you might want to be thinking about. So we, we go to them more as a, uh, as a consultant um, and an expert in the market. We're not teaching them how to sell. Do not get me wrong here. That's not a boundary you want to cross but you can give them some insight and guidance on here are the people you're going to encounter. This is what they care about. And here's some stuff you should probably talk about. And here's some stuff you should never talk about. Stay away from this. And let me tell you why. And that gives them better insight into, um, it, it creates a better working relationship with the two. I, I think what helped me in my career is having spent some time in the field before transitioning into a marketing role initially as in product uh, management. And I and I, I had to I had to go with them. I had to get on a plane with them. I had to go out with them. So that connection for me is a, is a little easier than say some product managers, product marketing managers, and even others who've never ever had to be in the field. And it's a, it's it's hard to create that empathy if you don't understand it. I agree. I, I spent a little bit of time in, in a biz dev sales role, uh, which was not my thing. I, I, I didn't necessarily have bad results, but it is not my passion and I wasn't great at it. But it fundamentally changed the way I looked at sales. I appreciated sales and the partnerships from then on have been uh, an entirely different level. Now, Mark, in your career, you you had a sales role, right? I carried a bag for a while and and I was so good at it, I went back to school to change careers. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, what we're talking about, which, which is really a fascinating concept, it goes beyond sales and marketing. And that is that if you're a product manager, product marketer, you interface with all of these other departments inside your company. And every one of them has a hard job. And we so often look at them and say, oh, they don't know what they're doing or they're not they're making my job harder. And one of the best career advices I ever got was go talk to everybody, go meet them all one on one, figure out what their problems are, what their issues are, because everybody in the company is dealing with trouble with issues. And we often have the ability to help them address their issues while they're helping us address ours. Mm -hmm. and, and so when we take that attitude of a win win with any department and in, and in today's podcast, we're talking about marketing and sales. 
But we take this attitude of a win-win. It's really going to help our careers. Agree. Absolutely. All right, but we are talking about sales and marketing alignment. So let's just go through some top tips that's going to help people listening today fix this relationship tomorrow. All right, top tips. One, um, focus less on uh, the, the selling process and focus a whole lot more on the buyer's journey, the buying process, a whole lot more. Uh, second tip, sit down with your colleagues in sales and come up as crudely as it is to begin with a basic definition for what a lead is that's sufficient enough for sales to pay attention to it. Uh, many of you have heard of the term uh, who are listening, marketing qualified lead. That's what we're talking about, MQL for sure. So what is the minimum threshold that on average our sales team is willing to accept to say that is worth my time? So what kind of factors are you talking about there? What kind of things would make up that definition? Um, do these people actually have the problem that we solve? Do they have a need that we can fill? Do they have an urgency to address that need? Are they the right job title and in the right industries that we serve? Because I can find crazy people who, who want to solve a problem, but that doesn't mean their boss is willing to spend the money to do it. And they will be raving lunatics and saying, oh, we got to do this, we got to do this. But if they don't have any influence over the sale uh, or very little influence, it, uh, my, my sales guys are going to figure that one out real quick. So am I talking to the right people? Do they have the problem that we care about? Do they have a high enough urgency to solve that problem? Are they in geographies that I can actually reach? Uh, are they in places where I have someone who, who can deal with them? So those are just a few as an example. And then, you know, sales might say, but I'm also looking for you to find things like the band stuff. Do they have budget and, and all of that? Um, you, there's some argument whether that's an, M, an MQL issue or whether that's something that sales should take a look at. Here's one for you. Are they already an existing customer and they're just poking around? Mm. All right. Um, now for, for some people listening, they're, they're thinking, oh, we could we could come up with the definition of the MQL, but who's going to vet them? I'm going to say marketing. Well, shouldn't we just give those to sales? No, you should vet those yourself, which means you might need additional headcount in order to do that. And so uh, some organizations uh, I've seen quite a few that they'll do the uh, they'll use the technique through marketing automation too. they'll look at behaviors. And they'll go, if they did X and then they did Y and then they did Z, they're a good candidate for something. Um, whether a lead, that's a bit of a stretch. But um, they, there could be enough there to say, hmm, they've got a high enough interest. Maybe we should do something to move them to that next level. Yeah, combine the kind of their, their score based on their activities with their grade based on their demographics to figure out what might be worth a personal touch regardless of which side of the house it comes from, right? But when are you moving from N equals many to an N equals one conversation um, and using factors to determine that? Right. And those are my two basic ones. Um, you know, understand the buyer's journey and, and know it well, because it it's, a, it's a blueprint for all kinds of things uh, within marketing and sales. Uh, and also sit down with your colleagues uh, in sales and come up with a clear definition of, of uh, marketing qualified lead at MQL. That's where I would start. 
If I walked into your company, as the first two things I tell you to do. Excellent. Mark, anything you would add? The only thing I would add is to go back to that concept that says respect each other, know that the other guy's job is really hard and and they're not slacking. Well, maybe they are, but but they're not intentionally slacking. And so, you know, try to help them, try to understand the fact that yeah. they've got a really tough role and and how they how how can you help them do their role? Absolutely. As the saying goes, someone else's job looks so much easier when you're the one not doing it. Right? Yeah. And fundamentally, we all succeed when sales succeeds. That's how, you know, that's how revenue works. And so anything we can do to help them succeed is good. And coming at that, the attitude where, we're, where we are uh, not assuming the worst of them is certainly the best place to move forward. All right, gentlemen, this was a great conversation. I appreciate you both being on. Any parting thoughts before we go? None for me. I, I parted all I'm going to part. <laughs> are you going to let him get the last word, Mark? Of course not. <laughs> Sales and marketing are both really hard jobs. And, uh, and, and so if you've got one of them, try to figure out what your role is and do your role exceptionally well, but help the other guys in their role and we'll all work well together. Awesome. All right. Well thank said. You, thank you, Dave. Thank you, Mark, for joining. It was a pleasure to have you both on. That does it for today's episode. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to join us next week when we tackle another great topic designed to help you elevate your product, your company, and your career. 